0: The darkest day in American history, September 11th, 2001, 94.9 News Now.
1: On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes against Al Qaeda terrorist training camps and military installations of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. More than two weeks ago, I gave Taliban leaders a series of clear and specific demands. None of these demands were met. And now, the Taliban will pay a price. The President of the United States will announce in just moments
0: that the United States has the body of Osama bin Laden, that Osama bin Laden has been killed, and that the United States is convinced that it has the body of Osama bin Laden, the mastermind of 9-11. I'll tell you what's going on. The crowd is chanting USA. And the reason for that is that there are reports circulating. I am not sure if they've yet been confirmed by the White House that Osama bin Laden is dead.
1: How that's happened, we don't know. And then if it's true that Osama bin Laden has been captured, killed, or whatever, it just takes you back to that awful, awful
0: day. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Bin Laden is dead. Bin Laden is dead. Confirmed, urgent confirmed. Bin Laden is dead. Multiple sources. Osama bin Laden is dead. Happy days. Happy days, everybody. I can report to the American people. And to the world. The United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of al-Qaeda. A terrorist who is responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent men, women, and children. The 20th anniversary of 9-11. Military assistant to the Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld. Army full colonel and Green Beret Special Forces, Stephen Bucci.
1: On 9-11... Uh, I had been working in the Pentagon since the 1st of July, 2001. I had just arrived there from overseas and went to work for the Secretary of Defense. Uh, I was part of his personal staff. I arrived that morning at about 5, which was normal, with my wife, uh, who is a nurse, and she was coming in to do an interview, to be a Red Cross volunteer in the medical clinic that took care of all of the big shots at the Pentagon and and that sort of thing. Uh, So I dropped her off at about 7 with the doctor. as She went off for her interview, and we continued doing our normal, you know, beginning of the day routine. Uh, And then we saw the, the news reports of the the first plane crashing into the building up in New York. Uh, And, you know, everybody thought, oh, my gosh, what a terrible tragedy. You know, what happened? It was the pilot drunk. Did, you know, did somebody fall asleep? Frankly, the first one, nobody was thinking terrible. Then we saw the replay, which turned out not to be a replay. It was the second airplane hitting the second tower in New York. And we all looked at one another and said, oh, my gosh, this is not an accident. This is an attack. I was then directed into a inner part of the Pentagon, one of our secure conference areas, uh, with several much higher ranking people than me as a colonel uh, to try and figure out what the heck was going on. We had one of the big civilians. Who was an intelligence guy and, and several senior officers from down on the joint staff, the military part of the Pentagon's uh, you know, upper hierarchy. And we were in there discussing who might have done this, what the motivation might have been. And all of a sudden, we felt this boom, uh and the, the building shuddered. Uh, now, that's saying something because the Pentagon is the largest non-high-rise office building in the world. It's, it's more than a football field long on each of its five sides. And so for that thing to shudder all the way across the building was saying something. So I jumped up, went back out to the, the secretary's main office to find out what was going on. I, I came out and I said, hey, what the heck was that noise and that, that vibration? And one of the sergeants said, sir, an airplane just hit our building. And though I should have gone back and told those people in the room what had happened, I looked around and I said, where's the boss? Meaning Secretary Rumsfeld. And they said, oh, he went out to the crash site. And I said, we're not supposed to let him go to the dangerous place. We're supposed to keep him away from the danger. So I grabbed the senior sergeant. There, And he and I went out find the secretary. Uh, we got out there, and he was hauling a stretcher out of the actual crash site, you know, helping wounded, burned people out there. And trust me, this was not a public affairs deal. You know, nobody was taking, uh, you know, no cameras were rolling. He just did it because that's the kind of leader he was. Uh, and we, we finally grabbed him and said, Look, sir, we got to get you inside. One, for the safety, but two, we got to get you in communication with, with the rest of the National Command Authority, meaning the president, the vice president, the other leaders of the country. Uh, and we did that. We got in there and uh, he immediately said, who, who has the best communications capability? Here in the building, is it us up on the third floor of the Pentagon or the joint staff who lived on the first floor? Uh, We said, clear, joint staff, they've got more stuff down there to communicate. So we moved down to their space. You know, the secretary wasn't playing games of, well, it needs to be out of my office. He just wanted to know how to do it the best. Uh, We went down there. But unfortunately, that part of the building started filling up with smoke from the fire that had started on the, the, uh, at the crash. Uh, and we eventually did have to move back upstairs to the other area. Uh, at that point, several people were recommending to the secretary that he abandon the building and move to an alternate site that was safer and uh, because we didn't know if there was going to be another attack. Uh, the secretary looked at all of us and said, unless you can tell me that there's an airplane on its way here to hit us, we're staying in this building. Now, he gave permission for other folks to evacuate and leave, but his staff and the key military people, we had to stay and keep working. Uh, And as he explained, said the American people expect the— defense of this nation to emanate from the Pentagon. And unless there was a a direct threat, we were going to stay there. And that was where we were going to and whatever was going to happen from. Uh, This was when we immediately started grounding all the aircraft all over the the country. The only aircraft that continued to fly were our military ones. Uh, And but we didn't know what, what else might occur. Uh, interestingly, my wife, uh, who was actually closer to the crash site than we were, uh, they had moved outside and had begun to try and take care of some of the wounded. They were you know, part of the medical team there. They immediately went to work. And my wife told me later that they suddenly got a report that another plane was coming. So they immediately started, you know, trying to find cover, moving a little further away from the sides of the building uh, and got ready for another strike. And suddenly. Two American fighter planes came over the building. uh, And they knew that at that point, nobody else was going to touch that building, that they were safe. We now had had sense of air cover over us. Now, I don't know how many of you remember, because that story has been told before, but those two pilots were Air National Guardsmen who, one male, one female, who were on a training flight, and they were diverted from their training pattern to the Pentagon to provide air cover and protection. Uh, When they were interviewed later, they asked them and said, "Well, but you guys were on a training flight. You didn't have any bullets or any missiles. What would you have done if another plane came at the building?" And both of them, without hesitation, said, "We had our airplanes." Uh, and it tells you here are our National Guard personnel, not full-time fighter pilots, but with the attitude of warriors where they were going to protect us on the ground with their own lives, if necessary, uh, without any hesitation, without any doubt. Uh, So my my wife's conclusion that we were now safe was spot on. Uh, This continued throughout the day. It was a really long day. Uh, We made several trips back and forth from our planning area back out to, to the crash site, uh, for those doubts that it was really a plane, I can tell you there was no doubt it was a plane. One of the officers who worked for me uh, had been off duty that day, and when he saw on the news what happened up in New York, he threw his uniform on and drove straight into the Pentagon, was pulling into the parking lot, on the side of the building where the plane hit and he watched that airliner come over the hill from Dulles airport and then hit the side of the building. So this was an eyewitness, uh, an officer who was a military intelligence officer and a former special forces NCO who watched the airplane make contact with the building. He was, the first person into that hole to help the survivors. So anybody who tries to tell me that it didn't really happen, I'm sorry, but you're ill-informed. It did happen. It was an airliner. Uh, I later picked up one of the pieces of it at the secretary's direction uh, to bring inside. Uh, And it wasn't until uh, probably after... 430 in the afternoon where the secretary and I went back outside this time to accompany the 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 chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee and the ranking member uh, the the two senior people on the committee we went out there when I suddenly saw my wife for the first time since I had dropped her off at seven o'clock The cell phones weren't working in in the Washington, D.C. area. The system was just overloaded. I had no idea where she was, what she was doing. And there she was, as as she described, still wearing her high heels, her skirt, and her pearls because she was there for a job interview, not to do a mass casualty uh, event. Now she was wearing an emergency vest, had a stethoscope around her neck. Her face was kind of smudged. Uh, when we saw each other, we embraced and kissed. And as I like to tell young people who have no idea what it means when I say it, I said, but this was kind of like a, a VJ Day kiss, not not a little peck, uh, because I was greatly relieved to see that she was safe and she felt the same for me. Later, the secretary asked me, said, Colonel, who is that woman you were kissing? Uh, and when I explained, he, he sort of nodded. Uh, she later became his nurse, by the way. Uh, but it, it was a day of, of tremendous confusion, uh, uncertainty. Uh, I have to tell you, as, a, as an Army Green Beret, I didn't expect to go to war wearing my, my polyester dress pants and my really shiny patent leather dress shoes. Uh, I, I thought I'd go wearing you know, my camouflage uniform and, and all of my uh, combat kit, but that, that wasn't the way it was that day. Uh, and we then spent the time keeping the, the secretary in communication, uh, making plans, uh, figuring out what might happen next, what we, we were going to do. Uh, and finally, about 10 o'clock that night, We uh, we left the Pentagon knowing that we were going to be back there the next morning at five to begin fighting what we now knew to be the global war on terror. Uh, One of the longer days of my life. uh, And but we knew we had a responsibility to take action to pay back the people who had done this for the deaths of of several thousand in New York, several hundred in our building, uh, and that was the beginning 20 years ago of of the actions that we are still prosecuting to this day. This has been Stephen Bucci, uh, former military assistant to Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, there in the Pentagon on the morning of 9-11. 94.9
0: News Now remembers September 11, 2001. So that's it. 20 years. 20 years. Please allow me to thank everybody who was a part of this, I think, historic radio event today. And please accept my apologies to those who I may have overlooked. But I humbly want to convey my sense of gratitude to all of you who have been listening all day at the very least hopefully all of us republicans and democrats progressives conservatives can stand together as a united nation as a united country and even in our darkest hour we found a way to stand strong and unified god bless you all thank you